Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. That was a video that was produced by the Vineyard Churches in the UK and in Ireland. Our, my cousins from across the, the pond. And it was shown at the national conferences in Dayton, Ohio, and Denver, Colorado just a few weeks ago. And leading up to the conference, I was sending out emails. And the, the verse that, I, that, were, that was contained in those emails was from Jeremiah chapter 6. Verse 16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. And ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. Last week, I mentioned a dream that, that Lavina told us about. And it, what, what I felt like that it, it's, it, it, its significance was for our congregation. I feel like that the, the Lord is, is moving and is wanting to, to work in our congregation. And there's a lot going on. And, you know, there's been some change. Of course, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't help if I change the chairs around all the time. But, um, but God's up to something. I feel like He's up to something. And I want us as a, as a church to be sensitive to Him and to participate in whatever it is that He's wanting to do. And so we need to get our hearts ready and do what God puts in front of us to do. That's the key. Now, earlier this year I talked... I don't know how many of you were here that Sunday, that first Sunday, when I was talking about growth. I felt like that this year is going to be a year of growth. Well, in order, in order to grow, there's, there, there's some preparation that has to take place. And we've been talking about vision quite a bit. And we talked about that last week, and, and I, I think we still have the document out front if you'd like to read that and, and, and see in, in terms of what we're... What we're, what we're saying, where we're going, where, how we, we plan to get there. And, you know, we're ta- also talking about phases of, of expansion. I don't know how many of you know this, and, and, and I, 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 Brian told me to be careful, so I, I've, I, I'll try to be careful. But we own the building next door. Did you know that? And we have a tenant in that space because he's helping us pay the rent. And... Our, our dream, our goal is to, is to grow to the point where that becomes our Christian education facility. In order to get there, we have to create that momentum. And so that's what's going on in the back. And so when you, when you see those things, I don't know about you, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a carpenter. And so I, I, I can't 
I can't make that happen. I, I, I rely on people like Brian and, and Eric and, and guys that, that know how to, how to build things to get those things built. But when you see that kind of stuff, that, that means there's a little bit of momentum. You know, and, and so when the, when the walls come down and then you start cleaning the floors and you start making, making ready for, for the, the new walls that are going to go up, that, that's really exciting. And then, the, you know, of course, the goal is, is that, you know, once we fill that up, then we need to start looking at, you know, where, what do we do next? How do we get over there? And we don't want to run our tenant off yet, so don't go running over next door and telling him, hey, we're going to take over this place and you're going to have to go find someplace else. No, let's, let, let's, let's do it all in time. But, but th- this, this stuff's exciting. And, and, and that's, that's where we're wanting to go. That's what we're wanting to do. And part of, of growing like that involves reaching out outside of our congregation. Those of you that were with us yesterday when we went out to Regency, I think, that, and it was, it was just a little bit, but it, it was really exciting to see what God was doing and how God was using us to touch people in our outreach. Well, I want us to make this a matter of prayer. I want you to, to, to be praying with me that God would give us favor, that God would, would begin opening doors, that God would, would lead us in, in bringing those that He wants here to be here and, and open the doors for us to minister to the people in this community that He wants us to minister to. Because I want us to be part of what God is doing here and now. Like it talked about in the video, God, let this be the place and let this be the hour when you use us to accomplish your purpose. And I asked you last week at the end of my sermon, what is God putting your heart to do? Because I can't make this happen by myself. It involves us as a church. And so when, when God speaks to your heart, kind of like Samuel, you know, when he was a little kid, he didn't even know it was the Lord that was speaking to him. And Eli told him, he said, you know, this could be the Lord. So when, when you hear that voice next time, say, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and he became one of the greatest prophets that the nation of Israel ever knew. And it was just a matter of just saying, here am I, Lord, speak to me. So what has God put in your heart to do? And whatever that is, now's the time to do it. Well, I'm continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark this morning, and the title of my message is, Be Still. We're in Mark chapter 4, and I'll have the verses up here. If you brought your Bible, you can, you're more than welcome to read along. In verse 35, Mark said, That day when evening came, he, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, 
He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Be quiet. Be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now I think most of us have heard this story before. Right? Have you, you're familiar with this story? Mark said that Jesus had been teaching out of a boat for, for at, least, at least a day or so. And after teaching, I mean, I don't know it, it, how many of you have had this, this opportunity to do it, but it, it, when you're talking, teaching for a long time, Lindsay, where it, 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 it's pretty exhausting to talk to a bunch of kids all day long, isn't it? Trying to get them to corral them. Of course, she, you know, she deals with, with the little ones, and so you know, that, that's really hard to try to keep their attention for, for six hours a day. Oh, well, is it eight? All, all together, eight? Okay. Sorry, didn't want to cut you short. Um, but but it's, it's, it's a challenge to keep people's attention. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching and you're, you're giving of yourself just over and over and over again. I mean, by the end of the day, that, you're pretty well spent. So if you can imagine, Jesus was, was kind of tired. And so he just told the disciples, I mean, they're out on a lake. I mean, what could be more relaxing than to get out on a lake and just have somebody else paddle the boat for you, you know? And you just go out. It's about sundown, you know, and so they're getting out on the, on the water. And I, I've seen pictures of, of the Sea of Galilee, and, and it's, it, it's a gorgeous place. Maybe one day I'll get to visit and get to see for myself. But, so they're getting away. Well, Mark also mentions that there were, there were other boats there. And they, they kind of followed them across the water. Well, while all this was happening, Jesus found a cushion and decided to go to sleep in the back of the boat. Well, somebody else is paddling, so why not? Now, I think we've all got somebody in our life when you go on a road trip that either, are you the driver or are you the sleeper? You're the driver? So, Bill, are you the sleeper? Oh, you don't sleep? He's the navigator. That's a a good thing for it. Well, Danelle and I, when we go on on road trips, and I can talk like this because she's in the back and she she can't say anything. But whenever we go on road trips... You know, like if you've seen that, that commercial where, you know, the, they, the, the parents, they get in the car and they, they drive around the neighborhood so the kid will go to sleep. When the car turns on, Danelle gets sleepy. Well, that's kind of what was going on here with Jesus. He gets in the boat and he goes back to, to the back and goes to sleep. Well, one of the things about the Sea of Galilee, it really is pretty. It, it, it's, a, it's a gorgeous landscape. It's fed from the, the Jordan River to the north, and it sits in this valley that's just outside of Nazareth. And so, since it's in this valley, there are mountains that are around it. It's kind of like around a bowl. It, it, you know, the mountains come up, and, and it just makes this really picturesque landscape. So, if you can imagine, you know, with this, the, the sun's going down and the shadows and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's gorgeous. 
Well, one problem about that landscape is that the winds that come across the Middle East, sometimes they come across and they're hot. And they come over the top of those mountains and they hit that lake. And that hitting the lake with that, that hot wind, it, it creates this drop in pressure. And that stirs up the water. And sometimes these squalls just start up out of nowhere because of this sudden temperature change that comes from these winds. So this is the scene of the disciples' boat ride. They've had this nice day teaching, and they decided they wanted to take this serene little boat ride. And all of a sudden, one of those winds come across, and it hits the water and stirs up this squall. And it hits so quickly and so fiercely that these experienced fishermen were scrambling around trying to figure out how to keep that water from that boat from going under the water. Well, I can imagine in the middle of their panic, and I don't know how big a boat this is, but it had to be big enough for Jesus to be able to lay it down in the back. They're, they're grabbing for stuff and they're holding their oars. Maybe they're trying to throw down an anchor. They're trying to do something just to steady the boat. And somebody turns and looks and Jesus is asleep on that cushion at the back of the boat. Now Mark says that, that the disciples woke him. I don't think he knew which one did because it, it, it had to be one or two because if everybody ran to the back of the boat, what would happen? It would flip over, right? So they're looking around and then... Whoever the disciple was ran up to Jesus and, and woke him. And don't you care that we're about to go under? Some people can sleep through anything. I'm not one of those people. And so I can imagine, you know, I mean, Jesus was a guy. He, he, was, he was human. He was fully God, fully man. And so I can imagine being woken up from this, this nap that he really needed, he kind of wakes up a little bit, a little bleary-eyed, and says, Peace, be still. And then everything goes quiet. Everything stopped. you got a smooth lake surface like this right here. Not even the wind. The wind is gone. It's probably dark. And it's quiet. And all of a sudden... Peace. Well, that's a pretty amazing Sunday school story, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a great story. And, and of course, Mark goes on to say that, that the, the disciples looked at each other and said, Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But there's a couple of things that I want you to see from this story. And then, then I, I want us to pray. The first thing is, was that Jesus and disciples and his disciples weren't the only ones that were on the water that night. I mentioned it just a second ago. Verse 36 says that there were other boats that were surrounding Jesus. Now, up until this time, whenever Jesus would enter into a town, Mark said it, he couldn't go into a, t a town secretly because there were crowds that followed him everywhere. They wanted to see what he was going to do next. They wanted to see who he was going to heal. They wanted to see what, if, if he might cast out an evil spirit. You know, they, they didn't know and they wanted to follow Jesus because he was always doing something. So while he was teaching, 
these guys just kind of came up and parked their boats next to Jesus. And then whenever it was time to leave, and Jesus and the disciples left, I can imagine they were just kind of you know, nonchalantly, you know. You know, like whenever you, you try to follow somebody, but you don't want them to know you're following, you know. And the Sea of Galilee, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big lake. And so you, you can kind of spread out a little bit. And so I'm sure they're just kind of just trying to see, okay, where's he going to go now? You know, he said, go over the other side. Where, where's the other side? Where, where, where's he going? So they're paddling along. Well, all of a sudden, this squall comes up, and it didn't just hit their boat. I mean, this, was, this encompassed the lake. So they were being affected by the same storm that the disciples and Jesus were being affected by. And then Jesus said, be still. And it happened. And it was a demonstration of power in the rule and reign of God. This is what we talk about in the kingdom of God. God's rule and reign that breaks in through the ministry of Jesus. Jesus exerted His authority over the material world and it had an impact on everybody around Him. It wasn't just their boat. It affected the other boats that surrounded Him on the lake. And the water got calm for everybody. Well, at some point in the future, we're going to get to Mark chapter 11. We're in Mark 4 right now, but we'll get to Mark chapter 11. But that's where Jesus told His disciples, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Shawnee, you've been quoting this all weekend, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Jesus taught the disciples to act with the authority that was given to Him by the Father. And in this case, to speak and exert His authority over the material world. Now, when we talk about authority, I think the best example of that comes in the authority given to a police officer or to a sheriff's deputy. Anybody who wears a badge. Now, I think we all know that that, that badge does not represent the officer. That badge represents that authority that he is under, whether it's the city, whether it's the state, whether it's the federal level of government. That badge represents the authority that's given to him by a higher entity. Okay? So, I saw a video this week. It was kind of, it, it, it was sad, but it was kind of funny. There was a lady who, had, she had been driving with a broken taillight. And the officer pulled her over, asked her to get out of the vehicle. She didn't want to get out of the vehicle. He asked her to get out of the vehicle. She didn't want to get out of the vehicle. And this went on, and then she ends up driving away. And then he ends up following her, and eventually ends up pulling her out of the vehicle. She's resisting arrest, and he ends up having to tase this woman. And she's screaming, and she's hollering at him. And he said, ma'am, if you would have just complied when I asked you to get out of the vehicle, it wouldn't have had to escalate to this level of, of activity. So just by saying, 
ma'am, would you please step from the vehicle? He had the, not only the authority of whatever that local level of authority was, he had the, the level of the state, he had the level of the federal authorities to tell this lady to comply with his request. And at that point, it's not about the officer. And, and I know, you know there's, we, we hear things about officers that go beyond their level of authority. Well, and that's, that's also part of authority. You can only act within the amount of authority that you've been given by that, that, that entity. Well, when Jesus was talking about authority, this was the, the kind of authority that He gave to His disciples. It was authority to speak to the material world in participation with God's will. And Jesus modeled that authority for His disciples as well as everyone else out on the water that night. And what we do under the authority of the rule and reign of the kingdom of God can change the world. So, there's one more thing that I want you to see. And it's what Jesus told His disciples after He calmed the storm. He asked, why were you so afraid? And where is your faith? Now, they had just survived a pretty harrowing experience. I mean, they were skilled fishermen that were on that boat, and they didn't know what to do because this squall had hit the boat, and it was so fierce that it really, they were out of control. They had no way to, to control what was happening to them. But I think Jesus was getting at something that was entirely different than what, what they understood. I think he wanted the disciples to be the ones who stopped the storm. I mean, why would he ask a question like that? Where's your faith? Now, you, you heard me right. We might want to chalk this up to Jesus being a little grumpy from being woken up from a nap. But I think he was really, he was pointing at the fact that the disciples had been given authority through him to affect the world around them. Now up until now, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus demonstrated superiority to evil. His wisdom was beyond anything that the, the religious teachers of the day could even understand. He was well beyond them. And Jesus said early on in the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, Verily truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. And yes, He will show Him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So up until now, Jesus acted within His authority to do the Father's will. Only in this case, He hadn't specifically taught the disciples how to do that just yet. To speak two things and to see them respond. And notice how he spoke. 
He didn't pronounce, well, the storm has calmed while it's still raging on around them. It wasn't some kind of positive confession. Well, I hope this storm will stop. Instead, he rebuked the wind and he commanded the waves to be still. That's a big difference. Now, in Mark chapter 6, and we'll get there eventually too, Jesus sent out his disciples to heal the sick, to drive out evil spirits. And in Matthew's gospel account, Matthew records what Jesus specifically said when he sent the disciples on their way. He said in in Matthew chapter 10, Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, he didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. How? What did he have in mind? By acting in the authority that he would given them from the Father. Now there's a big risk in trying to step out like that. Right? I mean, I think the biggest is, what if nothing happens? Speak to this mountain and it'll be moved. That's what Jesus said. What if nothing happens? Yesterday, we were, we were praying with, with some folks. Shauna prayed with, with one lady who had lost her, her son. And then we were talking with a couple that had lived at, at the, the Regency Motel for several years. Several years. And I was, I was kind of I was talking to them and, and just kind of getting to know them and then got busy doing other stuff. And it's like, okay, I, I want to pray with him before, before we get done. Well, the next thing I know, I hear somebody calling me, Joel, Joel, get over here, get over here. And it was Shauna. And she had, she had this couple corralled and she was... She wanted to pray for him. Said, so, can we sit down over here? And so um, and he, he pointed to his wrist. And, and I couldn't really see, but he said that there was, a, there was a knot on his wrist. Had something to do that it affected his ability to grip. And it had, had it extending his hand. And so um, I thought she wanted me to pray, but she, she just wanted to pray. So she started praying for, for his wrist. And she, she spoke, Lord, heal this wrist. In, in Jesus' name, I, wrist, I command you to be made well. I put, had my hand on, his, on, on, on my hand on his wrist, and I saw what it looked like whenever I put my hand on there. And when I lifted my hand off, it looked different. Whatever it was that was in there was not there anymore. And I asked him to move his hand, and he's moving his hand, and he said, my hand feels better. We were praying for, for his, he, he had headaches, and he had, he had issues with blood pressure. He's had a couple of strokes. And so we're, we're just praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. And he, tears running down the guy's face. And so, you know, wow. I mean, we're, we're, we've got to clean up the tables now. And we've got to, you know, people are moving, moving chairs and all this kind of stuff. But this stuff was happening right there. 
And we were experiencing people being healed right there in front of us. Well, not to be outdone. And see, this is the thing. You know, Jesus talked about doing what you see the Father do. Well, you know, when you start looking for stuff, you start seeing more. You do. You, you see opportunities. You see, you see these, these opportunities to pray for people. They're everywhere. And we, we just don't, we, we don't really notice them because we're not really looking. We went out to eat last night with the Winans and, and, and with the Winkles. And we were on our way back and we stopped in Chapel Hill to get gas. And I, I went in. Danelle wanted a, she wanted her a Snicker bar. And I had to get gas. And so I went inside. Well, I noticed this guy that was standing in front of me, and, and his name ended up being Jimmy. But he was, he was stooped over, and he, if he was standing up straight, he probably would have been as tall as me. But he was bent over, and he was, he was really low to the ground. Something was wrong with his back. So I'm standing there, and I see this guy, and I, and I, I, I felt the Lord. And it's like, okay, you, you need to pray for this guy. And, it's, and so, so I'm standing in line. And I, I, I just asked the Lord, okay, God, give me space where I can just talk to him. Because he's in line. There's people behind me. I have people, you know, they're lining up and they're getting ready to pay. So, okay, Lord, he goes out. And so I, I pay for my stuff and I go out and he's, he's over at his car. So I, I walked out to the car, gave Danielle her candy bar. And, and then I, I came over. The guy's straining to, to close the hatch on his car. He barely could even reach it. But he got, he got it closed before I, I was able to get there. And so I just walked up to him, and, you know, and I'm, I'm scared to death. Like, what am I going to say to this guy? Well, um, so I, I just said, would it be okay if I prayed with you? I was standing behind you in the store, and I'd just like to just pray. Would, would that be okay? And he, he just looked at me just stunned. And sure, that'd be fine. Well, I prayed for him, and I asked, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal his back, straighten his back, and just bless him, let him know you love him. And it was just real simple. And then I just went and got in the car, and Danielle even asked, what was that about? And I told her the whole thing. Well, I don't know what happened with that. I don't know what happened. And it wasn't about whether anything happened in that moment, whether he got healed or not. It was just about me being obedient. It was just about Shauna being obedient whenever the opportunity presented itself to pray for the guy yesterday. Because see, it's it's not about us. And we get, get, get concerned. Well, what if something doesn't happen? Okay. It's not us. We are not the ones who do it. It's God through us who does the healing. And if we're worried about people thinking we're crazy, they probably think we're crazy already. You know? I mean, the world's full of crazy people. We're just, just like, you know, somebody else that's crazy. But you, can you imagine what it would be like? Just imagine what it would be like if you were part of a bona fide, God-ordained miracle at your hand. God moving through you and the obedience that you, that you exert in praying for somebody and seeing that person healed. I mentioned last week, Phil Strout, the director of, of, of Vineyard USA, he was saying, you know, everybody wants to see a miracle, but they don't want to be in a place where they need one. 
But I think if we get to the place where we're desperate, kind of like what they're talking about in that video, God, we want to see you show up. We want to see you make a difference. We want to see you show up in my life and help me make a difference in my sphere of influence. Then we're going, I, th- I think we'll see some stuff like that happen. And remember what John Wimber used to say. Faith is spelled, not F-A-I-T-H, but R-I-S-K. How much are you willing to risk in order to see God's glory? Now, before I finish, I just want you to know, Jesus wants to calm our storms. He does. That's why he, he, he knew when he got on the boat what was going to happen that night. Just think about that. He was leading his disciples into a storm. He knew what was coming. But in the midst of the storm, he saved the disciples as well as everybody out there on that lake. But he also wanted the disciples to see that they could be part of the miracle of saving people's lives and touching the lives around them. And that's, that's the message of us to, to us today. God wants to use us. Now's the time. Today's the day. This is the place. We want to see God's kingdom come. His will be done right here, right now. Can we stand together this morning?